when I can accept myself for being a self, then I have a little bit easier time integrating into a larger context or a larger society. Welcome back to In Session with Jared and Clay. I'm Dr. Jared Cox. I'm so glad you're here because I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I know it's been a while since our last episode, but it's because for this episode, I wanted to try to dig a little bit deeper. So this episode's going to look a little bit different than our previous ones. I hope you like it. As we get our show started today, I'd like to know, what do you think when you see mixed-race families? My family recently visited an art museum in Nashville, and when we got there, I knew I needed to make it fun for my kids, so I tried to make a game out of it by challenging them to find at least one thing that they found interesting. And we could have stopped at the first exhibit, because when we walked in there, the very first piece we saw, it was some giant two-headed alien creature that that's made out of parts collected from various cultures all around the world. It was unlike anything we've ever seen. And it's purposely difficult to describe because it's supposed to represent something unlike anything familiar. It's supposed to represent new possibilities that come when cultures are blended. And our first reaction to it was that it was weird. We didn't understand it. I've made it the cover image for this episode so that you can see it for yourself. But before I read the backstory behind it, before I had the artist's description of what the image meant to her, I didn't know what to think about it. It was beautiful, I could see that. But I had to have the artist's words to understand it. And then it occurred to me that the two heads on the creature... They weren't the same. And then it began to not look so strange anymore. Because when I realized that the two heads weren't the same, I could see in there an analogy of mixed couples. Mixed couples bring together differing cultures. And they show the world new possibilities that are still quite unfamiliar. Many people still don't know what to think about mixed couples. And they don't know what to think about mixed families with brown children or white families who have black children. People don't always know what to think about that. Black people don't know what to think about mixed families. White people don't know what to think about mixed families. Many people just don't know. So today I want to talk about it. I want to give the guys a chance to give some backstory that can shed the light on the artwork that is their families. I want them to tell me about their experiences as a mixed family. I want to hear how that impacts their parenting and their children. I want to hear their fears, their concerns, their questions. How does the foster and adoption system, which often produces mixed families, how does that sit with them? What are the challenges they face there? I've also brought in special guest Brandon Tittle. Brandon is the executive director at Sparrow's Promise. Sparrow's Promise is a local organization that serves children and families through foster care and adoption. And he sits in a peculiar place as a person who tries to help children and families, but it's in very difficult situations. It takes someone with a committed heart to want to help families in such a challenging way. And I'm thankful I got to hear some of his story too. So we're going to have a great show today. Are you ready? Let's go. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about mixed families, and I want to hear a lot about your story. Jason, let's start with you. Yeah, I have uh, two caramel-colored children, so it's <laughs> been uh, it's been very interesting to say <laughs> to say the least. So, for the listeners out there, I married a, a Greek woman and French Canadian. She's French Canadian Greek. She is from the New England area, and we met in college. While we were in college, we had our first child, and and we have two girls, right? So initially, we lived in California, and we lived in in Orange County, which is a very interesting area. Uh, Let's just say it's a very white area, and the other percentage was Hispanic. So 
my daughters really struggled. Like they, the boys didn't like them, you know, just because they were different. You know, they were attracted to the blonde hair, blue eyed girls. And, okay. and and so they didn't date like a Layla had no concept. No, she 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 kind of got made fun of. Right. Why is your hair like that? Right. You have dark skin. And, and it really hurt her self-esteem. And so my girls kind of grew up around whites uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of their upbringing and the only, fortunately, their dad is black, so they understand the black culture. And my family lived close by, so they had experience with, with their other half. But as they started to get older, I noticed some identity things that they were struggling through, right? They would go to school to only be them, and they would start comparing each other's hair and just all kind of stuff. And they'd get poked fun at, and it was kind of tough for them. And they really struggled through being different mm -hmm. and not quite fitting. And for me, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. You know, I did grow up in an environment where I was around a lot of people, a lot of different people, but I didn't, un I, I still don't fully identify with their struggle because I'm black. And then we left California and we moved to Savannah. And if you've ever been to Savannah, Georgia, it is black. And where they went to school was a predominantly black school. And my daughters have never been around that many black peers before. And then all of a sudden, they started getting a whole bunch of attention from guys. And where they didn't see that in Orange County, they get to, to Georgia and they love it. I mean, they love every <laughs> moment. And and then my daughter, I'm watching her transform in front of my eyes. She put in the box braids. She had the dashiki on and, you know, the African earrings. And I'm going, what is going on? Like, so just watching them navigate all of that has mm -hmm. been very, very interesting. So they picked up on this, this black cultural experience living in Savannah. And then we switch and we come to Searcy, Searcy, Arkansas. <laughs> so my girls have been going back and forth and I'm watching them now and they're starting to change again. Yeah. But I think my girls have learned the value of code switching. And mm -hmm. I use that in a positive way because they've got to learn how to, when you're in this culture, you, you embrace the blackness and you, you, you roll with it. And then when you're in a white culture, you got to learn to adapt and, and just try to find your way there and I always tell them that they are the new and upcoming America. I just try to remind them that you don't have to choose black or you be you yeah. and just know how to dip in both cultures when you need to. Right. So th that's been my experience. And, and watching my girls have to go through this, it's kind of hurt my heart a little bit. I'm like, man, that's really, really tough for them. It's like you got to pick a side. You're either white or you're black. And there's no in-between, but right. we're trying to teach our girls, you, you, you be who you are. And when you were dating, yeah, when, when you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and your wife were dating as youngsters, what are the comparisons or the contrast or what did you have to go through? Yeah, yeah. In, in a society you yeah. know, that's yeah. been, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 18. 18 years yeah. ago. So it was really interesting because I grew up, and I remember my mama telling me, you bring a white girl home. You better don't, don't don't do that. I don't, you know, don't do that. So growing up, I never really dated any white girls or weren't really attracted to them. That just wasn't mm -hmm. my, you know, I, I kind of dated around a little bit, but it wasn't, I'm not bringing anybody home to mama. That's right. not my skin color. Right. So when I come to Harding, I'm like, oh, there's only two black girls on campus. There's no, there's nobody here. And all of them are taller than me. So I don't know what to do. Right. So, um, so I saw Mary and this is how bad I was. Like I never met a Greek before. I kind of, you know, I had a fr Greek friend growing up, but it didn't really. So I, I saw Mary and I thought she was Hispanic. So I was like, maybe that'll pass. That maybe that'll work. Right. So, so we start, we start hanging out and mom comes to homecoming to watch our homecoming game. And I said, Mom, I need to introduce you to Mary. And my mom was like, she is amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, Mom co-signed. It's a wrap, <laughs> right? So so we became a couple. And then while we're living in Arkansas, we're getting looks right. all the time. This just yeah. happened to us last week. We were in a local restaurant, and we saw people eye like staring hard at us and wow. looking at our kids like, what is this going on here, right? And so, <laughs> so, so then we moved to California, mm -hmm. and everybody looks like us. Yeah. 
So when we're in California, everybody thinks we're Hispanic. So they talk to us in Spanish. So it's not even a thing right. in California at all. We felt so free, like everybody's mixed in California. And then we come back here again, and it becomes challenging yeah. again. And I'm like, man, this is this is very interesting. This, this time around. This time around, yeah. it's still. I, I figured we would have gotten past some of this stuff, mm -hmm. but here in in White County, I mean, I've had people come up to me. Black people, they say, the first thing that they say to me is uh, when I meet them, this happened to me about five times since I've been here. So is your wife white? Before they even know me, they're just like, is your wife white? I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So what's that mean? You you put me in a box already, right? Right, right. So, uh, and then my white friends will go, so, so how is it? <laughs> so how does it... <laughs> How does it work? So, so those questions get annoying. Yeah, it's like, yeah. man, we're in twenty, almost twenty twenty one now. Uh, we should yeah. be past this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. incidentally, the county is actually called. It is actually White County. <laughs> yes, it's called. Not, oh yes, you know. Greg, does your story sound like Jason's? Well, Anissa and I started uh, dating when when we were in. Well, we we were both done with grad school. And so um, we got married in 98, both here. We met here in Searcy, got married in, in 98. And then, you know, we met at church. I don't know if there was, you know, the looks and everything. We, we probably did, but I didn't really notice anything I, at the time. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really, never felt threatened, never felt like we were being outcast. Um, you know, we were only involved with work and and church. So we really felt loved at both places. So we didn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, of that. Moved to Monroe, Louisiana, again, to work on our doctorate degrees. Uh, again, but, but, you know, we were so in, entrenched in school. So uh, our school was, was where, where I went to school was made up of so many different kinds of people that they didn't, you know, I fit right in because, me being married to a, a white woman is no big deal because everybody was a little bit different at that school. So there's a lot of lot of different kinds of relationships going on. So our, our interracial relationship fit kind of right in. And then at church, it was a really again a welcoming deal. There's no no we never got asked. Never where we looked at, you know, looked down upon or made to feel unwelcome or uncomfortable even. I fear coming back to Searcy, Arkansas a little bit because when we came back, we were now pregnant with our first. And I didn't know how that was going to go. Not necessarily as concerned about me and Anissa in our relationship, but more concerned about what was life going to be like for my, our child that was mixed growing up. And she's a freshman now in college. And I will say, I still, with her journey, I still can't identify. You kind of said, you know, you can't identify because we've never, I've grown up black. My wife has grown up white. Mm -hmm. I'm a kid from South Florida, black kid from the, from the city. She, my wife is a, is a white girl that's, that's, she's, she's a, a preacher's daughter. So she's been a little bit everywhere, but she's mostly a country girl. And, and so we come together and now we have this child that really moves in and out of things very well. And coach, I'm trying to think of what you, you said something, you, know, you talked about the dichotomy. I have a daughter and, and a son. So a daughter that's 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 nineteen, a son that's they just she just turned nineteen last weekend, son turned fourteen two weekends ago. And if you ask both of them, they'll both say that they're black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. Maybe uh, you know, maybe dad pressed them a little bit. But <laughs> but but I don't know why they, they do that really. But they don't they don't really identify with either or or let me say this they don't feel the need to identify with either they are who they are Caden it just moves in and out it it just doesn't and she if even if you pressed her she doesn't feel the need to answer a question to make you feel satisfied that you know if if you're black and you pressed her to say that she 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 doesn't she doesn't she's going to tell you she's both 
and she doesn't really care about how you feel. Mm. Canaan, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, he he's interesting because I don't I don't really think he ever even thinks about it. He he if Canaan if someone was came up to him and and they were purple or green, and they were cool, that'd be Canaan's new best friend. <laughs> he is just he doesn't really care. He sees it a little bit more now with things going on and with things that have happened over the last six to eight months, and he's asked more questions. He's dealt with more things, but it has not impacted his love for people, all people, no matter what. And and that's a, he doesn't even want to think about that. He just wants to love people and enjoy people. And both of my kids are that way. We've done our best to try to raise them that way. My parents did. I moved in and out of black, white schools, and not not necessarily because they were black or white. It's just because maybe at one school, the ratio was more white. And then when I got to high school, the ratio was more black. But a very Hispanic down in South Florida, Jamaican, Haitians, a little bit of everything down there. So I grew up with everything. Being able to speak Spanish a little bit and 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 then, you know, identify with a lot of cultures. So it's a really interesting growth. My my kids have not been around black people as much as I would prefer them just because my family lives so far away. Now we go to to Atlanta, which is where my parents live, so we kind of call that the black oh, mecca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the black that's mecca. The black mecca. Mm-hmm. Atlanta. So I love when they go to Atlanta because I like them to see, you know, we go downtown and they see so many black yeah, people yeah, and the yeah. culture and, and it's different, but they enjoy it. Yeah. They're not scared of it. They enjoy it. They love it and they embrace it. And then they can, they can do the same when they go to the farm <laughs> with my, with my wife and it's different. And we're out there in the middle of nowhere, but they find a way to enjoy and have fun with their cousins and do their thing. So they just move in and out very well. And have we experienced, you know, looks? Yes. From both. The ones that probably bother me most are ones from my own people, from mm-hmm, black people. Mm-hmm. My mom said, or my, it's one my mom. My mom didn't say, my aunt said that. Don't bring no white girl. Right. <laughs> and I said, I, I said I wasn't going to. Right. I dated one and I remember breaking up and I said, I will never date another white girl ever again. <laughs> I always think God is God is laughing. You know, I just think he's 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 funny, man. I really do. I was just like, huh. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I got you on that one. And I was mad when I fell in love with Anissa because I was like, I, I just said I wasn't gonna do this. <laughs> and so, you know, but here I am and it just you know, love has no color. And we've always kind of preached that to our kids because that's for mom and dad, for their mom and dad, that's the way we always felt as far as when it came to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a it's been a beautiful ride. I've not experienced my my both of them have have dealt with a little bit of of name calling, but it's not stopped them or deterred them from from loving people. And so that's the beautiful thing of it. It's interesting to hear what you guys are saying. You know, in my family, you guys know my daughter is brown. My wife is registered Cherokee Indian, so she's red. My skin is red. You can see it. So we just think of ourselves as one big mixed family. But as far as I'm aware, I don't see how that really shapes how we function. As far as I know, We live like a white family, but I've been reading lately that it's really important that the children of color be intentionally parented so as to stay connected to their color. Yet, I hear you guys saying that love has no color and your kids can switch in and out and you think that's good because you want them to be just whoever they are. So can you speak a little bit about what you think about making sure kids stay connected to their color? Is that important to you? You hit a home run with yes. that question. Yeah, that was Man, a wonderful that, question. Because that tugs on my heartstrings because I look at my daughters and kids can be really mean. If you look different, 
you are an outcast. Mm -hmm. And what that does mm -hmm. to your self-esteem and your self-worth, your self-value, you feel like the ugly duckling, especially right. for girls, right? right? Especially if you don't see anybody else that looks like you, right? So you're a beautiful swan, but you don't even know it because you've never seen any other swan. You don't know... That's the way you're supposed right, to look. Right, so right. my girls were comparing themselves to the thin blonde hair and they just go, I guess I'm ugly. Right. And that killed me as a dad. And, and you know, fortunately, my sisters embraced my daughters and taught them how to do their hair because Mary couldn't figure it out. Right. She didn't know what to use in the <laughs> hair. and all that. So my sisters came and braided them up and right. taught them some things. And whenever they would be around my sisters, I saw their self-esteem like. Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed yeah. to look like this is the way yeah. this is the way God made me. And so when they went to Atlanta or Savannah, they really got to they yeah. really realized they were swans yeah. and and they got so for me is super super important to see a community that looks like you. Yes. Just to know, just to help you know it, 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 you're not just by your, you're not isolated. Right. right and that right. book is so, so wise. You got to do that. And that's one of the things that breaks my heart when I look at white families, or you can even say black families now, but white children it breaks my heart because they don't see anybody Yeah, based on what community they're a part of. Nobody that looks, looks like, like them. them. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So it's, 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 it hurts. Yeah. I just think it's such a, you know, our kids are multicultural and I think it's important. And I say, you know, it's a little more work, but it's important for them to know their culture. Ours is, you know, I, I say it's, it is in, in some ways very straightforward. Your dad comes from a black family that, you know, grew up here and grandparents and great grandparents and your great, great grandparents worked in the fields and they did this and, and grew up this way. And I, and this is where we come from. And I think it, it, it just like me, just at being, just being a black man, that history, knowing where my family came from and where we originated has just taught me so much about me and where I've come from. And I find that very important also for my kids. They need to know where they where they come from. And my kids still don't know that all the way yet because they're still family members that, that they still need to meet. There's stories that they need to hear. And I think that's so important. And so it is good for them to both get introduced to, because my wife's family, they come from, here's the thing that I always, white people are different. We look at white people and we think that all white people are the same. All white people aren't the same. There's a lot of different stories with right. white people. And with, with and my daughter, my wife's family is different. I mean, they are some different people. And they their their culture, where how my how my father in law, God rest his soul, was raised and where he come from and my my mother in law and 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 it's two completely different, really, family types. But it's important for my daughter to know that because that's how she knows where her mom comes from. And it helps explain a little bit about her mom and why her mom raised her this way, why she does the, some of the things, why she cooks a little bit of the way that she cooks. All those things come in and create. And same thing with their dad. I come from just a, a family that. You know, we, we did things this way and we operated this way and it explains me. And so I think it's important for our kids to know those things. And it's important. I, I, I really, I do. I feel that way for, for kids that are adopted into families that are different, maybe of a different culture. And I may even say a different race. I think it is good for those kids to know about their culture and where they come from because it helps it, it it kind of fills in some missing pieces and missing parts as much as possible they may not know everything and we we're not even going to know everything my kids aren't going to even know everything about me and i definitely don't know everything about them because i'm not mixed you know sorry to dominate this, this no no you we got to be careful with this thing yes 
because kids will hurt themselves over this. And maybe, Clay, this, you can jump in on this, but I got to tell you this story, man. I have a student who came to me, and she's biracial, raised by a rural Arkansas family. She doesn't know her father, so she grew up with her mother and her grandmother, rural Arkansas whites, right? Mm-hmm. And she comes to Harding, and she cannot find a place, right? She tries to hang with, with the white people on campus and they kind of push her away. She wants to date. The guys don't really like her. And then the black people jump all over her case because she does not know anything about her culture whatsoever. So she comes to my office and she's like, Mr. Darden, I'm just, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit college and I'm going to move to Atlanta with my fifth cousin on my dad's side who I'd never met. So I can be involved with the culture. And I'm just thinking, you're about to mess up big time, big time. And she's craving to know that side and that peace. And unless you instill that in them early, they'll make some really crazy, silly, maybe decisions that they can't recover from. How do we instill that in them? Well, one of the things that comes to my mind is that the power of acceptance being accepted mm-hmm. and how traditionally sometimes you're mixed, your biracial folks, you know, struggle with being accepted either place. And that's, that's on us as a society and as a culture to really develop and enhance, you know, that state of acceptance, if you will. But starting early on back to, you know, Jared's question is it's an identification process as well. Because the early identification process will initiate an acceptance of self. And when, when I can accept myself for being a self, then I have a little bit easier time integrating into a larger context or a larger society. If I can accept myself for who I am, having been educated and introduced to all that I am, then I can navigate or maybe handle some of those unfortunate happenings where one color of skin or the other color of skin reject them mm-hmm. you know, initially. Mm-hmm. My fear is that without that initial healthy self, you're going to find yourself in a situation like this young lady who is so desperate to find somebody, you know, to accept her that she's she's willing to take some risky behavior just to, to get out there and find, you know, somebody. That's a sad thing. Yeah. When you when you think about that as as people, we're so inept at times on just providing a you know, a climate of of acceptance. Do you guys f- ever fear that your kids will become too white. Oh yes, every day. Or that your own family as a whole, do you fear that your family will ever become too white? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do. That's a, that's a, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you, no, you go, the, no, go go so, yeah, I mean, so, good grief. So I need your list of questions. So you, f- <laughs> first of all, when 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 we have the babies and, and they're out and you're raising them and stuff, I said from early on, Alayla and Izzy, you are black. You're white too, but I lead with <laughs> you are black. And then I'll go back and explain the 116th rule. If you got a black a drop blood in you, the black community typically will always accept you. Yeah. Always yeah. accept you. Regardless of regardless the of diversity. how yeah. you know, you could be super light. If yeah. you if you are like part of the you'll you will have a family, yes. right? And I would say that this has been our experience on on the on the white side if you got one sixteenth, you're still black. Yeah. You're not exactly yeah. you're not exactly one of us. Yeah. It's very interesting. So for me I had to start with saying, girls, you are black. You are always black. Don't you ever forget that. And when I start seeing them Leaning toward the, <laughs> towards the white side, I gotta yank them back. I'll take them to Memphis, and we we'll just drive around, and we'll go to Oakland. So we gotta make sure you don't lean, <laughs> right? Father, no, you no, let's let's dip you in, and then bring you out. Just remember, 
remember who you are. But anyway, yeah, we yeah. just yeah, I don't want them to link. I want them to be exactly who they are. And that's why we got to get rid of the stigma that code switching is bad. Yeah. I want them to become experts in code switching, right? Huh. And, and and then you'll be able to navigate. Who thinks code switching is bad? You know, well, black uh, people. Black people. Black people. Black Half people, the white people don't even know what they code don't know switching what it is. is. Black right. people, you will. They will. You know. Oh, oh! You switch it up around the white folk, don't you? You start to enunciate when you're around, you know. Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. Of course, why? Of course, I do. <laughs> what do you guys say? Around the black folk, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, And then you know what I mean. <laughs> right on, brother. <laughs> hey, we gotta learn it. <laughs> One of the things that's fascinating is that what we're really talking about is one of the premises that I hold so dear is being able to hold both of these things together mm-hmm. at all times. Yes. Because we are, we really are all mixed. Yes. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so fascinating to hear even, even as we, Talk about it, you know, being serious and also lightheartedly, mm-hmm, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we want this unity and we want equality. But I noticed with both of your stories, Greg and Jason, that, you know, your your families said, don't mm-hmm. bring a white girl mm-hmm. home. And white families say the same thing. Yes. Right. Don't. Right. Yes. Right bring a black boy home right. or a black girl home. Right. And I find that ironically fascinating Yeah, that we're striving for all of this unity, but still deeply embedded, which is, again, kind of what we're talking about when you really get to systemic yeah. racism. For everybody, there's a deeply embedded something there. Now, when it happens, everybody's, ends up being okay mm-hmm. because right. they get to know people. Right, exactly. right. But, but the initial, that initial it's thing a, is still there. It's a, it's a fear. It, there's a, uh, that's my word, yeah. coach. No, good, and, good and word. I, and I, and so answering your question, I, I, I have told my daughter, don't bring a white guy home. I need my, I need my bloodlines. <laughs> You admit, darkened, you admitted darkened it. Up. You admitted it. <laughs> I said you got to darken them back up. I've I've lightened them. I need you to darken them back up. You know. And then then I said, you know, well, if she does bring a white guy home, then my son, technically the Harris name will live on through him. So you definitely <laughs> have to, you know, and so I, I'll be honest, I'm trying as much as possible to introduce him. I got I to get some more black girls in this, in this guy's life. I, I just got to, but you, you're, you listen, you are right. My, my daughter, you know, in real, I mean, she's in the same situation that yeah, you were in yeah. Jason and, and that I'm, she didn't go to school. There was one black guy, maybe right. or one or maybe two in all of her school. And so there wasn't a line. So she, she, she went out with white guys and she dated white guys and went to, to, um, you know, senior deals with white guys. And, you know, yeah, I, I was uncomfortable at first or there was a, you know, a little bit of an initial fear, but you know, the person, you know, I know the person and, you know, there was nothing serious or long-term, but I know, and I was okay with the person. I will ultimately be okay if if this is if she brings a good man home a good christian man that's gonna love my daughter that loves the lord and is gonna love my daughter i i don't care what he what he looks like yeah there's a part of me i just won't deny it there's a part of me that that hopes he's i would hope he's black but and and my part of my fear of that is just the overall knowing that black uh, I wanted to be similar to like her mom all people she because she hasn't been as exposed as many black guys but that if she does to give them that opportunity to get to know them and that they are good people too because she hasn't had that experience 
that she just hasn't. And um, all the black men that she's been around have been family members. So she really hasn't been around that. And she's, it's been more now that she's at college and it's gotten more since she's in high school. So she's interacted with more, but you know, I just, I, I just want her to, to even just have relationships and, and friendships with, with more black people. And whether, like I said, whatever she brings home, as long as he loves the Lord and as long as he loves her, I'm, I'm okay with it. But yeah, I've, I have that fear. I've had that fear. I've had that. I've, I've said it. I've said it, yeah, you know, I've all out too. said it. Hey, don't bring him. <laughs> you know, she's, I knew she was coming home with someone before I, you know, I look out the window uh, and that's like, <laughs> he's white, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I have to go to the back room and pace Compose just for a little bit. Yeah. I got to get myself yeah. together. And then I'm like, okay, but you know, listen. And then your wife says, um, you owe me an apology. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> When you say that you're afraid for your kids to become too white, is your fear just because what you think it will do to your kids, or is there another reason? What do you think? If you ask me, my mine is mine's pretty straightforward. I don't I don't really have a fear of what it do to to my kids because I, I think one of the things, like I said, and I may have said this last time, I don't know if I did, but really, my kids have operated throughout their life really very comfortable with who they are. You know, they're going to have their struggles here and there, but I, I really truly think we all do, but they've been very comfortable. So I'm not really concerned about my kids or even my grandkids. I think there is a part of me that's, that's, you know, a proud part of me that wants that African-American heritage to not go away, you know? And so where my, my kids are, they are half of what I am. And that's not a, that's not a, a bad thing. That's a, that's a decision we made. We knew that, but I, my, my fear is that I, I want there still to be a strong African-American heritage within my lineage as time goes along. And so, you know, there's part of me that would, I would love for one of them to marry a black person if they could, because it kind of keeps the, it keeps the percentages high and everything <laughs> like that. It keeps the bloodlines going, blood going and, and you go from there. But, you know, like I said, th that's not a, that's not a concern issue of their, about them, you know, whether they're going to be looked at strange or different or picked on. I'm not really concerned about that. It's not a love issue with me. You know, if my daughter goes and marries someone white or my son goes and marries someone white and their kids are going to be lighter than what my 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 kids are, I'm going to love my grandkids just as much, probably probably more than my, than my kids anyway, because they're my grandkids. So, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. It, I think, Jared, for me, it's, it is. It's just, a I think, a heritage lineage type of thing as far as, you know, just that African-American culture in my family. And, and you know, you kind of just still always want that to be something that's important. I want them to always know because it's not just about me. It's about my father and my, my grandfather and my great-grandfather, the heritage and, and, and the, where they came from. And, and I don't want them to ever lose sight of that just because they look different. So that's probably more my concern. You know, it's nothing I lose sleep over. Jason, same for you. Mine's a little, a little different. I mean, I totally identify with, with keeping the, the culture, the African-American culture within the family, you know, that's our strength. It's beautiful. And, and you would hate to, you would hate to lose that. I mean, but I think anybody feels like that. I think all families feel like that. I, why? I, why? Uh, because you're proud of who you are. Mm -hmm. Like you're proud. Like it's it's you know it's it's like your family name, like the Darden name. I don't have any sons, right. so I mourn. Like <laughs> man, our our family name is not going to be carried on through. You know, so it's, I think it's similar to that. Yeah. I yeah. I from where I sit, there is some fear, and the fear is if if my girls pivot too much to the the white culture. I have a fear for them that they'll they'll never be fully accepted if they do that. Maybe that's an unrealistic fear, but 
I just feel like you could try to be like the dominant culture. We we talk about the wasp, mm. the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture, and really try to assimilate into that. But your skin is still going to be darker. Your hair is still going to be curlier. And and from where I sit, and this is a generalization, probably sounds very prejudiced, but I just feel like the white community will never fully embrace my daughters. But we're not that far from all being brown. Uh, yeah, that's true. We're not that that's many true. years away that's from true. that. They say, what, 2048, something like that, yeah. the latest study? But, and then you look on the, on, the, on the flip side, I think the beauty of the African-American community is if you got a little bit of black blood in you, you will be... You will be accepted as one of us. Just look at what's going on with Kamala right now. Like, she's East Indian, but the but the everybody who's a part of the black community is like she's from Oakland. She went to HBCU. She is one of us. You know. Yeah. And yeah. and that's where the fear is for me. And thinking about and thinking about my kids. You're afraid of losing the culture. I'm afraid of losing the culture, and afraid that that identity piece of them wanting to be accepted, they won't find it if they pivot too far to the to the the white, white Anglo-Saxon yeah, Protestant yeah. culture. I, I just don't feel like they'll be fully accepted there, and they'll have to always try to change who they are. We and, talked and about never... that with when we talked about churches. You remember yeah. we said that yeah. that at times when we talked about if you come into a black church, you know how the you know they they just there's just more of an acceptance there for some reason, and not always. It's not always that way. Sometimes at white churches and, um, you know, I've walked in plenty of white churches where I've been accepted. I've walked in plenty of white churches where I've walked in and gone to service and walked out and not, no one says a word. I think that's kind of, to me, it hits on that, some of that same thing. It'll never quite be all the way accepted. Clay? The um, interesting piece, the older you, the older you get, the more tuned in you are to your heritage mm -hmm. and the connection that it uh, supplies. And that it's really interesting because, you know, as a young person, I don't know if you think back, but your grandparents, if you remember this or not, were always wanting to tell you stories and stories of where, who they were, what happened, where they came from, what, what's going on. And, and there's a real inherent sense of connection that all people share. And a fear of losing the culture is probably as good as any way to, you know, to say that. And if you, if it continues to dilute, you know, through, through generations, I think that's a natural, it's a really natural concern. When you're younger, you're just not as tuned in to yeah. that being important. But I promise you, because I've watched my father, I've, and, you know, there was a time there that he was, I mean, digging through all the genealogies and trying to get ancestry, you know, getting all that together and wrapped up. And I'm kind of whatever, you know. But now I'm like, hey, where's all that stuff? Right. You know, tell yeah. me, tell me about all of that. It's like the older you get, the more in tune you are. And, and and it's some kind of connection issue, I believe. I also think that it's somehow maybe a a bit stronger, if you will, for minority cultures. And the uh, the majority culture, I think it it's kind of gets more diffuse out there. And that's another generalization too. Have you been concerned or have you, have, would you say it's a fear of yours for your children to lose their connection to their Native American heritage? I would say that, I don't know if it's a fear or a concern. I've almost accepted what, it, however that's going to play out, it's going to play out. I'm kind of, they're registered as well. They have, you know, their Cherokee Nation cards. They're on, you know, they're, they're in the nation, and so, so I feel like probably that the degree to which I would push that is, you know, it's already been established. I don't know. That's kind of theirs. It's kind of theirs to do with what they want to. So, 
Not really, but that probably stems from the fact that I I really grew up, you know, in white communities. Basically, nobody nobody knows I'm a Cherokee unless I tell them. Right. Right. You know, and so I, I was always having to tend to that myself. Nobody looked at me any differently than anybody else. Right. If I ask the question, though, and I, I know I'm, I'm jumping in on it. No, go ahead. But But what I'm curious about is even our white kids and the, the youth, are they as in tune to their culture, where they come from as black youth? Not that all black youth are either. I think a lot more black youth are now because of what's going on in this world. But, you know, I, I just see a lack of knowledge or even a desire to know where you come from. I don't really think it's a, to me, it's a black white thing. I think kids should know about their heritage, about their mm-hmm. culture, about mm-hmm. their past, because not, not all white people come from the same place. Well, no, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know that, especially here in this country. And it is an interesting idea because this, this country is really a hodgepodge of of people coming from all over the place. Right. And I, I'm with you, Greg. I, I think if you, I don't know what age you would say, but if you took the average, you know, white youngster and say, hey, tell me, what, mm-hmm. where are you descended from? Who are your descendants? Right. I think they would look at you like you were speaking some foreign <laughs> language and they, and they might go, well, my grandparents were from, no, no, Mur- no, no, no. Murfreesboro. Like, <laughs> yeah. The like, closest where? thing I think that you'll get to that is yeah. at least around here are people who are from the South. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And they're, they're proud to be from the South and people who are from yeah. Texas are proud to be from Texas and, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. But I've never once in my life and <laughs> I guess sometimes, I don't know, that's probably not the equivalent of code switching, but sometimes I claim to be Native American. Sometimes I claim to be white because I grew up white, right? right? But I've never once in my life been around my friends where they've talked about how important it is that their kids continue to be white and stay connected to their whiteness, whatever that means. Never once in my life have I been in a discussion where we've even talked about what it means to be white. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's so diffuse. And I think that's inherent to the majority. You think it's the majority and not just a property of the individualism that we talked earlier about that char- that's characteristic of white oh, people compared to black sure. people? Sure, and loss of community and right. all of that process. Now, I think it could be a combination of a lot of those variables, but I, I would agree you don't see you know, white people having that kind of discussion. And I— and, the reason I say it's because they, they don't think about it because the majority doesn't think about losing culture. Right. It's just, it's the majority. It's, it's the larger sample. They get offended in some ways when there are people who try to protect their culture. Yeah. And that's so fascinating like, to me. Like BET. The fact that there is a television network, BET, mm-hmm. oh, it upsets people. Oh, really? Yes. I and never I, knew that. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, because yeah, I'm they glad say, you didn't know it because it's embarrassing <laughs> to me that, that it would do, upset they somebody. Get, <laughs> they get upset because they go, well, why can they do that? We can't. What What would happen if white people had white W-E-T? And, they, yeah. and you guys will say, well, because all of television already is W-E-T, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you, that is actually said. And it, you've never heard that. I, I, I have, actually. I have. I, I've I've heard that that people because they say the same thing about black student associations. Yeah, they, I, do, I have heard different that. things yeah, like yeah. that. They yeah. always say, "Well, why yeah. don't Easy. you?" The student association is a student association. <laughs> well, it, it would be in a theoretically, yes. you know, perfect, perfect, uh, equal world. Absolutely. It should be. The Absolutely. reason we have to have the BSA is because of those injustices are still in place. Absolutely. Ah, yeah. Or why is there a black history class and just history? Why is there just not a history class? There's a you do do hear you do hear those comments. Now I will I will tell you that that's a result of simple mindedness in the sense I'm not talking about 
people being simple-minded, but being locked into that false dichotomy. Mm -hmm. If there is a BET, you know, the only the only idea I can come up with is, well, why can't there be, you know, a white a WET? I mean, it's it's Occam's razor. I mean, it's it's so crazy to me. Well, it is. Bat, it is bat, very ridiculous. Wet and and MET Mexican met and we just keep going. We'll just keep going. So let me ask you this: Do whites have a problem with like Telemundo? Do you think? I, I, I don't think be, listen, so because it's a different language. Okay. There's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Univision is it? Yeah, is it uni, yeah. The, there's a lot. It's the fact that it's like the black community saying, "We want our own. We want our own." Okay. 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 It, it's it feels like rejection. Gotcha. Is gotcha, what I'm gotcha. saying. But then, well, yeah, that's but that's how it feels. But there's basically the white community's response to BET is saying the same thing. We want our own. Well, I, I haven't heard anybody say they want their own. No, no just, they don't verbalize it that way. I'm talking about their objection is a statement of yeah. of going, well, if you want your own, why do you get to have your own? Yeah. If you want your own, I want my own. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's this ridiculously simple quid pro quo tit for tat mentality. I totally did not mean to steer the conversation yeah. this way. I'm just saying people the, there's a there's a uh, misunderstanding or there's a there's a lack of understanding of why it's so important to hold on to the black yeah. heritage when everybody's going brown first of all and when we're all saying equality right unity things like that like yeah. and it's like why is it so important to look backwards yeah you know and and because there are some people and you know in the context of mixed race families there are some people like adopted children who can't get grounded that way right and then that raises you know one and of it, the other and, questions and, i'd like to ask about and that's today. a real issue that's a very that's a yeah. real issue for people who cannot find out where they come from yeah. And so I, I would say that it's very important to be able to connect and know your heritage and where you come from. Hey, thanks for joining us for part one of this episode on the topic of mixed race families with me and Clay and our friends, Dr. Greg Harris and Chaplain Jason Darden. In part two, we'll continue the conversation and take an even deeper dive into the aspects of preserving culture in mixed-race families. And particularly, we'll discuss the challenges and also the importance of preserving culture in transracial adoptive families. It's going to be a great second part of this episode. We hope you'll join us there. Come see us between now and then on InSessionPodcast.com.